listening to a Sharesies podcast. Kia ora koutou. Uh, welcome to today's panel discussion that's brought to you by Sharesies. So Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create fi financial empowerment for everyone. Today we'll be talking about what's been happening in the share markets recently and what that means for you as an investor. So I'm Sonia, I'm one of the co-founders of Sharesies, and today um, we'll be joined by two excellent panel guests, which I'll introduce shortly. Before we start, I'll just start with a small um, legal disclaimer that investing involves risks. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you may lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your financial, with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. So today, you know, we will be talking about what's going on in the markets, um, and we'll have our guests here who will be sharing. Um, so, but nothing that we'll be talking about will be um, personalised advice as part of this webinar. Uh, but do ask any questions that you have in the ask a question box. Uh, it's a really good time to any burning questions. There's no such thing as dumb question. Um, put it in the box, and uh, we'll make sure that we do our best to get round to it uh, while we've got our experts here. Um, if you leave uh, questions in the chat, uh, we may not get round to them. So please do put it in the ask a question box. And then finally, please be kind and respectful towards our guests and your fellow viewers. Otherwise, we'll need to remove you from the webinar. So as I mentioned, um, it's been a bit of a shaky start to the year in markets. And I think a few of you, you know, we do have a lot of people joining us on the webinar today. And um, people may have been noticing this in your portfolios. So I'm stoked to be able to introduce our guests. First up, we have business journalist Rod Oram. So Rod's been working as a journalist for 40 years and not just in New Zealand. He's worked for international media organizations like the Financial Times and he should be joining us now. Kia ora, Rod. Oh, kia ora, Sonia. It's a great pleasure to be with you all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so our second panelist is Greg Smith, and he's the head of retail at Devon Funds. Prior to that, he's been the head of research at the Australian's fund management and market research business, Fat Profits, which is spelt profits, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, <laughs> yes, um, by the way. But he's also worked in London as an operations manager for Mellon Global Investments. So welcome, Greg. Hi there, Kira, and uh, great to be here. Thanks. So let's start with a bit of an overview. You know, obviously we've had the Fed decision today, the Federal Reserve, which we will get to in the chat, but thought it's best to just start with a bit of an overview of what's been happening in the share market. Um, so what we've seen is the S&P 500, which is the index tracking 500 of the largest companies listed on the US stock, stock exchange. And it's often used as a bit of a benchmark for the state of the share market. Um, since the start of the year, it's declined to around 8%. We've also seen the NZX50 uh, in New Zealand and the ASX200 in Australia decline by similar amounts over the same time. So we'll start with you, Greg. You know, what are what are some of the major factors that are contributing to the dip? Well, obviously COVID's still with us, so obviously that's very re relevant. And um, you know, Omicron obviously came along towards the end of last year, uh, although that actually didn't stop the the markets having a bit of a flourish at the end of 2021. Um, the the uh, NZX was looking at being down through four or five percent. It finished the year roughly flat. US indices they had a much better performance uh, last year, as did uh, the ASX 200 across the Tasman up over ten percent. Um, but yeah, this year you know we're getting I suppose dragged down with the other indices. So yeah, what's going on? I think really it's about those two big eyes. Everyone will probably be 
reading it out and experiencing as well. It's inflation and it's inter- interest rates. And that's relevant to people that, 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 that borrow money or invest money, but it's also very relevant uh, to stock markets. And I think what you've seen is, I suppose, yeah, that, that really being front and centre, while the RBNZ last year raised rates, one of the first central banks to do so, a lot of other central banks are only really just getting started. And you know, obviously the Fed meeting we're going to talk about. So I think that's what's causing a bit of angst. You've had markets had a, re- a real extended run and, and valuations have been getting a little bit overheated. Interest rates are sort of used to uh, assess valuation. So very relevant to sort of growth stocks. So you've seen them come off and be very volatile, obviously, this week as well. So I think, you know, that's the key driver as things stand. Inflation, and you know, we, we know it's been running hot for various reasons, supply chain. But the question is, is it here to stay uh, or is it um, maybe going to go away as, as the world opens up? And, and central banks have gone from saying yeah, it's going to be transitory to it's actually going to stick around a bit and we, we do need to act. So I think that's what's causing a bit of a reaction as we, uh, as we enter the year. So it's gotten off to obviously a very, a very volatile start. Hmm. Can we dig into the inflation part of it a bit more? Because you did you did mention the the two eyes there. Um, how what is it, and and how does it affect um, interest rates and what's going on in the market? Well, inflation is basically uh, prices. So prices going up is inflation. Prices going down uh, is, is deflation. We've had low inflation for a, a long time. You know, if you look at the, the world economies and what's happened during the pandemic, obviously a lot of uh, stimulus has been pumped in, uh, interest rates have been, been reduced, you've had quantitative easing, you've had governments um, spending money, uh, sorry, printing money in some cases and spending money. And this is, I suppose, um, yeah, to, to literally reinflate uh, economies. But then obviously it can go the other way and the inflation genie, as you often hear talk about, can get a little bit uh, out of control. And, um, you know, a little bit of mild inflation is good. It's actually can be quite positive for, for, for stock markets uh, and economies, but you don't want it going too far the other way. Uh, and that's sort of, I suppose, having a negative effect on economies. So that's sort of, and, and central banks are basically there to help keep that in check. We've got inflation numbers actually out in, in New Zealand as well today. But yeah, inflation all around the world is rising and you can't just sort of let that go um, unfeathered, if you like. And that's why we're seeing Seeing a, a reaction there, but um, and it erode, yeah, and inflation can, can erode the value of assets effectively as well. Also erode uh, the value of debt as well. Yeah, thanks. And and how about you, Rod? And um, what are you observing? Um, I'm very much focused on all those same trends that Greg is, and um, I'm still uh, very much undecided about uh, where things might track from here, more so than ever, um, particularly uh, around inflation, because um, I do have uh, at the risk of sounding as I've been around too long and it's a boring old timer. Um, uh, I do have very direct experience, both as a consumer and an investor and as a business journalist, of when inflation was double digits in the early 80s. And um, the mighty efforts that central banks made and successfully along with some other factors that helped them uh, uh, bring that under control. And if I had to pick one side of the argument on the other, I would still come down on the side that um, inflation as we're seeing it now is is transitory. Um, if we just look at um, today's figures out this morning from Statistics New Zealand, the big drivers there were housing costs and energy. Um, on housing costs, it's very, very hard to see how um, our housing uh, in 
costs are going to be higher. And in fact, a, a small increase in interest rates will be very helpful to just keep the lid on that. Um, so uh, I don't see those going much higher. And energy, I'm not fooled for a moment um, by these current high prices um, for crude oil and gas. Um, there is an, an amazing abundance of fossil fuel reserves out there in the world. And although those uh, fossil fuel producers have been uh, starting to pull back on investment, um, there is still um, plenty of capacity there. And they love nothing more than high prices in which they jump in and supply more and the prices come down. So that's why I'm, I'm relatively relaxed. However, having said that, um, if inflation does high inflation does become um, baked into people's expectations and insist and uh, uh, and expectations. That's when it becomes a, a good deal uh, more damaging and hard to deal with. That's why I think central banks now have this incredibly difficult balance. So on one hand, um, they do need to lift interest rates um, that are obviously historically very low, um, um, but they have to make sure that. Uh, if there is some inflationary expectations, they're nipping those in the bud. Um, but at the same time, they've got to be very careful not to um, slow down economies too much. Lastly, on economies, we just had last week uh, a revised global outlook from the uh, International Monetary Fund. And though they did downgrade their forecasts last made in October, um, the world economy, they reckon, is still going to grow above trend this year at 4.4%. And the split there is high income countries like ours growing at 3.9%, and again above trend, and developing countries at 4.8%. Um, so um, yes, there will be all these disruptions and complications of COVID still, um, but I would remain uh, very confident about um, growth um, holding up well this year. And that, of course, is good for um, companies in the markets um, because that's expanding business. So whilst I um, am very aware of all the dangers uh, and uh, I'm very alert, I'm, I'm not relaxed, um, I, 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 I'm, I, can see, I can see what's going on here and, and I'm just fascinated to work with these trends um, and to, to see how they play out. Yeah, awesome. And you've touched there around the role of um, the central banks and in, in the levers that they've got to pull. Um, do you want to just dig into a bit more about those? Because I think you've kind of talked about that as, as being a lever that they've got. Yeah, how does that impact what's coming and, and, you, know, and you know, either side of that? Well, uh, if, for example, just going back to the Fed today, um, the Fed funds rate, as indeed central bank rates around the world, have been astonishingly low for a very long time. Um, and therefore, there is scope for those to rise. And um, Jerome Powell, um, the chair of the Fed, was uh, very... Um, circumspect in a sense in his comments um, this morning uh, US time in terms of uh, it was clear that the Federal Reserve was is prepared to act vigorously um, but he was refusing to be drawn on the frequency or the severity of that um, but say for example a half point uh, percentage point rise in Fed funds looks very likely um, but that's that's still very low. Um, and um, 
so I think it's going to take a little. It's going to take a little while for markets to to tune in, in to settle down a bit around this new environment. Um, but uh, which is why the next few months are very crucial. Um, and I think he was right to be non-explicit there about quite what track the Fed's on, because um, the conditions are changing. Uh, quite quickly and uh, he needs to keep options open. Um, so uh, when we see in due course the next monetary policy statement from um, our Reserve Bank, I, I think we'll see um, similar sort of signaling. Yeah, and actually, and maybe if we could just jump in there as well and, I, and certainly go along with Rod's comments. And I think, yeah, this was positioned as the biggest central bank meeting or Fed meeting for, for some time. So a lot of expectation. You've seen the markets yo-yoing around, amazing moves. You know, one moment the, the Dow's up 500 points, next moment it, it, it's sort of uh, it, it's gone the other way. Um, so I think that you know th th there was. A little bit of a lack of detail today, and I think that's why there's some uncertainties have been uh, unresolved, as it were. The devil's always in the, in the detail, uh, and so you know when you say you're going to lift rates soon, yeah, that that doesn't really say a lot, does it? Uh, that he, and there was a press conference afterwards, and Mr. Powell didn't didn't rule out aggressive rate rises, but he didn't give any timing. Uh, they have these things called dot plots, where all the, the 12 members of the committee have their own views on where rates should be, and there's quite a quite a a difference there. Uh, also, the timing of the reduction of asset purchases, which is another stimulus QE, that sort of wasn't really talked about in terms of when. So I think the markets have sort of gone away still questioning things a little bit. And I think, you know, part of that is due to, you know, we've seen this unprecedented stimulus. You know, the, the taps need to be turned off, um, but not aggressively so, because um, inflation is there, but there's a bit of a balancing act. We've still got Omicron, uh, as, he, as he pointed out, we've still got risks there. Um, and, and also, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is well aware of, of market volatility. They don't ignore the fact that the Dow's yo-yoing around because market volatility and share market volatility actually has a real-world impact. So, yeah, as Rod said, it's, it's very much uh, like a trapeze artist, a bit of a balancing act. You know, doesn't want to go too far one way or the other. You know, does have to cool things down, but at the same token, it doesn't want to overextend. So I think that was the key thing. I think that's why there was such a reaction because there wasn't a lot of clues as to precise dates and it was all, even at the press conferences, well, you know, we're going to be going away and giving more detail on that at a later point. So we didn't get all the answers today and I think that was you know, a, a key takeaway really. So I think it's it's re, and it's probably also as 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 us as investors, you know, it just means, you know, that it's, it is a factor to deal with. There is this uncertainty. There are these things that we need to, to navigate probably in the coming weeks, uh, if, if not months. But yeah, also, as Rod mentioned, just to wrap up on that point, yeah, the uh, yeah, growth is looking good, is good. And yeah, I think you're also seeing this come through in the earnings season. We had a big miss from Netflix, but largely it's been positive. You know, Tesla was up today. It's come out you know, for good good reports. We had Microsoft. That's a tech, if not an economic, bellwether going along quite nicely. But that growth is moderating a bit as well. So it's positive, but yeah, these are all factors that you know that we we have to deal with as investors. May I just chip in a couple of thoughts about volatility, um, and I want to preface them by saying, please don't misunderstand that I'm just being incredibly relaxed about what's going on now. I'm being very alert to what's going on, very mindful. Yeah. Um, the first thing is that um, whilst markets are volatile, we have seen far more extreme volatility than this, and volatility that's completely um, blown apart. I, I, 
kind of use that phrase almost deliberately, um, financial systems. So um, if I, uh, again, at the risk of sounding harking too much back in the past, um, Monday, the 19th of October, 1987, Black Monday, uh, the 87 stock market crash, I was the uh, Financial Times Wall Street correspondent correspondent based in New York. And sitting in front of the Dow Jones uh, tele-rate screen, as we called it at the time, was completely petrifying because um, prices were in free fall. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 25%. Value fell by a quarter in the day. And I, it's the only time I've ever been in a press conference where I had panicked journalists around me. And I remember one um, television reporter asking John Phelan, the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, well, you know, prices are in free fall. They're going to go to zero. And Phelan, who was a wonderfully um, effective and good chair, uh, a very Irish American, said, well, my advice to you would be buy at one. And it, it was <laughs> and of course, it was an astonishingly desperately dangerous week because uh, financial systems and markets uh, were completely seizing up. And, and we're not there yet with this. Um, and uh, we are nowhere near yet, uh, maybe, uh, hopefully we won't get there, what it was like in the early days of the global financial crisis, um, where again, uh, financial systems and markets were breaking down completely. We do have volatility. Um, you can make a case that we're going to get to that ex those extreme places where um, value is completely destroyed or, or very largely, ex sorry, a large chunk of value is destroyed uh, and, um, and systems can't cope. Um, but I, I just wanted to, as I say, this is not to be uh, complacent. It's just to try and bring that um, bit of perspective into where we're at today. Yeah, I think that's hugely, um, it's really interesting as a reference point and, and for context of what's going on right now, because, you know, we have, you know, you talked about 25% in a day. Um, some analysts are saying that the S&P 500 is heading for a market correction at the moment, which is the drop of more than 10% from its most recent peak. Um, so what, you know, what is different or I guess what, what can we expect from this um, and moving towards a market correction? Um, well, yeah, happy, happy to jump in there, but obviously, yeah, corrections, you know, while you know, some people might not like the word in terms of um, the stock market, you know, as you say, 10% um, move from the high, recent highs, but yeah, that, that, that is the last high, and you've got to remember that, la not even just last year, but you know, from those pandemic lows, the, yeah, the US markets have gone on a, on a massive run, huge run, so um, yeah, the NASDAQ is already down, already had in that correction mode, but um it, yeah, it is actually healthy. You know, it might, might seem strange to, to say that, but you know, markets don't go linear one way or, uh, in either direction you know, for an extended period or forever. So uh, the, you often hear the, the, the phrase, you know, markets climb a wall of worry. And you look at any ch chart over time and there's always, even if it's moving upwards, which are the, you know, arguably the, uh, the US markets have been since the GFC, you know, you've had corrections obviously along the way. Obviously, we did that, have that big dip in March 2020. So, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's not necessarily, it's, it's a function of how far markets have gone on the upside. So, I think a correction uh, in 20, 
22 was to be expected. Actually, it was one of our predictions right at the start of the year, and plenty of others were sort of saying the same sort of thing. I think, you know, what surprised investors a little bit has been you know, the veracity of that and, you know, and, and, the, and the short duration of it, I suppose. And in the big swings, you know, we, in terms of the Dow swinging 1,000 points, I'm, I'm struggling to remember too many times that's happened within the space of an hour. Uh, I actually can't think can't think of any, but I'm, I'm sure maybe going back further. So I think yeah, it, it's it's not necessary. You know, no one likes look checking into their portfolio and seeing you know their, their, their stocks down you know 10 percent on, on where they were last month. But you know, if you if you drop a, maybe a bigger picture view, uh, you know, it, it's maybe not something to be feared. And, and as I say, it's it, it's a healthy part. I think you know, particularly when we've got growth coming through as Rod's mentioned. You know, we've got central banks which are being yeah, they're withdrawing stimulus, but they're not doing you know so rapidly. They're being accommodative still. So there's all those mechanisms there. I I think you know way we're looking at it and, and taking sort of a longer view. I think the next sort of few weeks and months are opening up opportunities to get into great quality stocks, which had just run too far, you know, too fast last year, and valuations were just too high in some in some sectors. So I think you know, it's it's not a bad time to be opportunistic, but of course depends on your uh, depends on your time frame. Uh, and um, the most important thing, perhaps, in terms of um, staying calm and focused through this is never, ever focus on how many points, because a thousand points on a 35,000 mm. Dow um, is very small in mm. the great scheme of things. Um, likewise, don't be obsessed by uh, X number of dollars coming off the price mm. of a share. Always, 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 you have to look at the scale of the movement and, and the speed of the movement and the volatility and all those things. Um, and so that does help you keep that perspective. So uh, I urge people to at least do that. So just coming back to the Federal Reserve decision today. So it was the the decision was made to not change interest rates right now. That's the, the outcome. And we've talked a bit about, you know, what else came out of that. Um, but a lot of people were anticipating this announcement and it, and it was seen as being this big moment. You know, we talked about how often meetings happen, but this one had had a real anticipation behind it. Um, Rod, why, you know, why were people waiting? Why, why this one? And, and, um, <laughs> and what does that mean for us moving forward? Mm. Um, there is a bigger context, of course, uh, beyond just uh, the important one. Um, of uh, exactly what they say about interest rates, which is um, how the Fed is seeing the state of the economy uh, and how it sees uh, its role changing. And for me, uh, a very important part of the announcement today was uh, the very clear uh, confirmation that the Fed is shutting down all the spigots, it's tapering off, um, and indeed it would hope to start um, selling off its absolutely eye-wateringly large um, balance sheet accumulated through all this support, uh, first of all, in the global financial crisis, and it never really backed off its balance sheet from that, and then it's kind of escalated enormously during COVID. Um, and so um, it is a really important turning point, um, and the actual timing of um, interest rate change here, uh, I think, is less significant in one sense in the bigger scheme of things, uh, rather than what the Fed is signaling um, about its view of the world and its intentions. So it, it, is a, it was an important meeting, and, um, uh, and the, because the Fed is so influential, obviously, uh, globally, not just in the US. So I think it's that bigger picture is important here, not just the precise thing about interest rates.
Yeah, and I think you know I'd go along with that and certainly say you know, markets are forward-looking. So, so it's also to do with the outlook. And as was mentioned, you know, it's not so much about what they were going to do at this meeting. They were, they were most most investors were picking them to do nothing. Uh, it was more about what they say about you know going forward. And as I said, that we've been left a little bit for, for wanting. But, but it also is an important turning point uh, because obviously rates have been low for so long that while um, you know a 25 basis point or a 50 basis point that might not seem like a lot. When you think about it in percentage terms, it, it is a lot when, when you've got interest rates so low. So I think that's, it's all about um, relativity as Rob, Rob was mentioning earlier. So I, I think that's uh, really important to look at. And you know, it, it is that pivot. And you look at the, the Kiwi market, the Kiwi market arguably underperformed, not because uh, we went into to lockdown towards the end of, towards August. It was, because, it was because actually in October, the RBNZ was one of the first to raise rates, that, that's when our market started to underperform. So um, I think, yeah, that, that's the key thing, a turning point and also the forward forward guidance. Uh, and as I said, also that, that percentage move and you're also seeing that play out with the with bond market reactions as well. Yeah, so let's let's turn our view um, now to what this means for for people and for our investors. So, because a lot of people tuning in today will be noticing a change in their portfolio. No, mm taking on this news, taking on these announcements, but saying, you know, what what does this mean for me and, and why should I, what, how should I be thinking about this? So interested, you know, what are some of the things that investors should be considering and, and keeping in mind when they're looking at their portfolios at the moment? Um, well, if, if I, could, I could jump in there, I suppose, you know, one thing you know, that, you know, that we're looking at, I think you've got to be mindful is a rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And I think going forward, there may be a bit more of a focus on quality uh, and you're starting to see that. I think even if you look at last year, you know, um, the IPO market, for instance, you know, you, good companies did well. Perhaps some of the lower quality ones didn't. Um, and I think you're also seeing that in reaction to some of the earnings announced. So I think I think we may see that uh, that yeah, that pivot more by by the markets, as it were. You know, whether we see a rotation away from technology names which have done you know, amazingly well during the pandemic have been turbocharged towards old economy stocks. I mean, that that could also play out. But I think certainly markets going forward and investors maybe maybe should be mindful of this, that uh, it might be a bit more of a focus on, on quality and also valuation. And look, there's nothing wrong with, with investing in high valuation stocks. Um, but I think, you know, that, that they need to keep the importance of them delivering is even more so when you're on, you know, the bars lifted as such as it relates to valuation. I think we saw that with, um, we saw that with Net the Netflix reaction earlier this week. You know, a lot of those growth stocks have been priced to perfection, and if they keep delivering, you know, that's great, uh, and and they'll be that'll be well received. If they don't, I think you could see more of a more of a spotlight on that. So um, I think the other thing, you know, obviously still relevant this year is just aside from the feathers. Yeah, maybe that transition towards reopening, but you know everyone's a epidemiologist these days. But and it is an opinion. But yeah, obviously that'll be a factor. I think later in the year, maybe a bit more of a rotation from the stay-at-homers to the um, to the reopeners. But obviously Omicron sort of muddied the waters a little bit, as it actually has for the Fed. Yeah, you know, the, the emergence mm. of the new variant, I think, has probably cast a little bit of a shadow there as well. Can I come at this from a different perspective? Um, uh, and but I will then get on to sort of sectors and stocks. Uh, I, I'm going to start by saying um, I think the, the ability now of um, 
uh, very small retail investors uh, to be actively involved in the market is completely fabulous. Uh, and so I'm a great supporter of the likes of Sharesy. Um, but, uh, sorry, there's a bit more to that. Uh, but it, it, don't be um, just um, an, um, an investor who's just sort of trying to pick the stock you think's going to do really fantastically next. That's really hard to do. Um, pick stocks you're really interested in and, and, you, and you perhaps understand a little bit more, but also um, be an actually an active owner. And so that's why I'm delighted with Sharesy that you're actually um, voting um, proxies, because this is a, a really important time for um, equity owners to be very involved in the strategy uh, and um, prospects of companies, whether they're addressing uh, the climate crisis or other sustainability issues or everything else. Um, this is a fantastic time for um, active investors in that sense. And although each of us is very small, we can still play our infinitesimally small role in that. But the second thing is that, um, and he, here I'll just revert to a personal view again, although I'm a business journalist and uh, have been very involved in markets and all the rest, and I've, I've taken a, a, an active role in my investments, um, I have always used um, professional advisors because they have access to all sorts of investment strategies I don't. So the way the where I'm actively invested, um, it's only at a very small proportion of my wealth um, because I want to leave that bigger picture of the wealth to um, people like Greg. Um, Disclosure, I'm not one of your clients, <laughs> but anyway, <Not> yet. <laughs> and um, so I think that's really important. Um, and so at this, particularly at a time like this, you can uh, uh, not feel desperately anxious that the um, uh, equities that you've got, you've bought yourself and you're actively involved in, um, are, are, you obviously care if they decline in value and you're happy when they rise, um, but um, you can say to yourself, well, the greater part of my net, my net wealth is being managed longer term in a more sophisticated way. And so, yes, to being very active, um, but as understanding the limits to that. But then when it comes to the question of which sectors and which companies, I think it's also really important to uh, bear in mind, uh, have right at the front of your mind, is that the global economy and businesses and investment and life is going to change far more in the next decade than it's changed in decades before, because that's the only way that we can respond um, to the climate crisis and related issues and, and to get to uh, a, an economy and a society that's more compatible um, with the climate, uh, with Earth systems. So that huge change is coming. And just this week, there's been a fabulous piece of research from McKinsey talking about the nine trillion US dollar investment that's required every year. So that means that um, fantastically interesting opportunities are opening up. Um, but it means that um, those companies that are not on that journey are in serious trouble. So I, I've, I will pick only one obvious example. 
I'm not the least bit fooled, as I said, by uh, oil prices uh, or the prospects of oil companies because um, the uh, oil and gas companies have been under, if I'm looking at a global perspective here, and I'm just using the MSCI um, Global Equities Index and then comparing it with that minus fossil fuels. Um, that's uh, with fossil fuels has underperformed the global market since 2014. And, and circumstances now are not might change that fractionally briefly, um, but the, there is no long-term future um, um, in those companies. Uh, and there are interesting choices to make within the sector about some of those companies which are making a bigger, more genuine effort to transition um, than others. Um, so for example, there's an argument for BP over um, Exxon Mobil, for example. Um, but that's where I think this completely fascinating time to be an investor um, and be thinking about those, um, and they're long-term issues, but the impact on them, you know, this week, this month, this year is going to be very big. And, um, and it's well worth um, uh, beginning to explore those themes if you're not. It definitely aligns, you know, because we often talk about, and a lot of our investors um, will, will recognize this this wording, but it's around investing not being a get-rich-quick scheme and really taking that long-term view. And some of these questions that you're posing about the future of certain industries and about certain things um, are definitely questions that investors should be asking themselves right now. Um, you know, because these market corrections or these um, these volatile markets are completely normal um, parts of how markets behave. Uh, but really, and I've seen it coming through in the comments about, you know, time in the market and, mm. you know, some of these behaviours we put in place around our investing, you know, taking that long-term view, taking a step back, considering these questions that you're, you, you know, you've thrown out about the different industries and how they might fare over the coming years. Um and and really keeping that in mind while there's this interesting news or the, these headlines coming up about what's happening right now. Um, it's also really important. It's the more important question is how that impacts, you know, what's going on in the future because um, that's really why you're investing. So I'm conscious of time and I'm, I think that we've had so many questions come in. So I might skip to the Q&A now. Um, so the first one, and, and you know, we'll just do a bit of a free-for-all jump in if you've got the, the answer to it. But um, the first one is, would you consider now to be the best time to buy more company shares since the share prices have dipped? Would you expect them to dip further? Um, yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll see that. We'll go with that one. Yeah, look, I think um, you know, I think yeah, there is a there's a reason to buy the dip. You know, particularly we've talked about you know our positivity around you know, global growth, around corporate earnings, and so on. Um, look, everyone would love to buy at the bottom of the dip, and then happy days. You know, um, yeah, you look at it again next week, and you're well up. So that that doesn't happen in reality. And I uh, you know, completely agree with some of the comments coming through about timing the market and so on. So, but yeah, broadly, I think it is it is a good time uh, to be looking at. Uh, high quality companies that are cheaper than they were last year or and last week, and I think I think it is a good time to be doing that. Uh, mindful, of, of course, of your own situation and and diversified portfolio diversification, sort of should I say and all that. But um, yeah, I think it is in principle yeah a good time to be looking at. It. Not to say you know that this is the end of the volatility. And as I mentioned earlier, yeah, the Fed is relevant even if you don't quite. Uh, yeah, I understand some of the, the term, the jargon that we've talked about today, and that, that's perfectly okay. It, this could be a, a factor, you know, for the markets and investors in the coming weeks 
if not months. So there, there may be more, maybe more dips and more volatility, but I think in principle, it's, yeah, it's a good time to be looking at quality companies uh, uh, and buying the dip, as it were. Uh, given the nature of shares is where people are focused on um, individual stocks, uh, I, I think you might find a case where there is a company that you feel you understand well and all the advice that you're reading um, suggests that um, it uh, has good prospects that plays to current circumstances and how those change um, and maybe slightly undervalued now, you know, maybe you want to buy. Um, I'm a lot, I've always been a lot more cautious about buying dips. Uh, I've sat out some and obviously over many years now, I've regretted that uh, because markets have kept moving up. Uh, but this time I, 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 um, I, I just, it, it's a, for me, it's a bit too easy a mantra. Buy the dips, buy the dips, um, because uh, I, I think there's some big things at work here, which means that life might not be quite that automatic and as simple as it has been in the market um, over now quite a long period. Um, and that comes back to that sense of uh, how um, amazingly uh, overvalued um, uh Again, it depends how you're um, uh, valuing them, um, but I'm I'm a uh, but essentially how very very fully valued, if not overvalued, um, many many um, stocks are. So I, I, that's why I'm I'm cautious about buying the dips. So that um, kind of covers a few of the questions that have come up um, in both of your answers. Uh, but a quick one from Jack, um, you know, would you expect the market to be on a downward trend for the next six months minimum? Uh, yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that. I, I wouldn't expect that. Um, and I'd agree, with Rob, you know, there's more challenges and there's more issues to contend with. And I see a comment, few comments there about, you know, waiting for the March uh, Fed meeting. And, and, you know, I think I talked about that right at the start. So sort of go along with that. Yeah, there could be more volatility. There could be more weakness in the months ahead. Are we going to be... Uh, go into a downtrend, I, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to see that over the next six months. Uh, but, yeah, there's two sides to you know, every argument, as you say, and that's why it's and Rod had a slightly different view to me. So, And that's what makes the market. If you had all buyers, you know, that, that wouldn't work. So you have to have buyers and sellers. So I think you know, we're not expecting a, a downtrend for the next six months. What I would say, though, is that yeah, yeah, valuations are extended in certain sectors or certain groups of companies, as we like to call them. So I think, yeah, there is some caution warranted there. And, and there's some stocks that are looking cheaper than others. So, uh, But I wouldn't expect a downtrend you know, for the next six months. First of all, I have no idea where the markets are going to be six months from now. I want to make that very clear. But also make it very clear that if um, the, um, the markets are on a substantial uh, downturn for six months, we're in very different territory here, uh, where um, confidence expectations um, would be starting, would be quite rattled. Um, and so I'm hoping that's not going to happen. Mind you, uh, a, a, a more benign version of that is that markets go sideways for a long time. Well, they don't like doing that either. Um, um, there's money to be made on the upside and the downside, and, and that's why markets swing around. So, um, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm afraid one word, I don't apologize for not making a prediction one way or the other, uh, other than to say, uh, let's hope that uh, there's a, a, 
the um, a collective confidence and wisdom um, it, it outbalances uh, uh, those who um, are um, driving things in a in a pretty negative direction. So now we've got one from Suzanne. Um, we've talked a lot about individual companies um, and investing, uh, but can we talk about how you know anything we've talked about has impacted ETFs or funds, or ex and that's uh, exchange traded funds for any jargon, <laughs> what acronym busting? Um, so how how is anything we've talked about different when it comes to funds? Well, it, it, it's, it's not different per se in terms of the, the, the market relationship. I think everything we've talked about today holds true for that. But yeah, obviously, if you're investing in a company, the, the, the specific risks that go along with that. If you're investing in a fund or an ETF, obviously, that's a diversified basket of companies, or it doesn't actually have to be companies. There's, there's ETFs which which extend um, yeah, beyond that. So um I think it's similar, but yeah, you're looking at more more balance with a, with an ETF in theory. But then again, you can get into an ETF or a fund which is purely focused on one particular sector, where arguably your risk is increased than if you have a sort of a, a balance of stocks in your portfolio across a number of sectors. So I think I think yeah, everything we said today sort of holds holds true um, uh, because you know if a, if a broad say market fund, uh, uh, you know an S and P related fund, uh, if the S and P is going down, then that fund will likely go down as well. So I think everything we've talked about today holds true with respect to funds and ETFs. Yes, I think the only comment I'd add is that, um, particularly because of the explosive growth of ETFs over recent years, um, there's a, a wonderful array of them um, with all sorts of different focuses. So I think it's really important to understand uh, quite what um, it, an ETF that catches your eye mm. is focused on and how its performance has been going. Um, there's been in, in the tech space, uh, it's probably a bit unfair to name some individual ETFs that have gone very badly recently, uh, but, um, but there have been some, um, just because of the, the nature of the investments that lying within that ETF. So I, I, um, so I guess my basic message is, is that don't necessarily but well, so again it depends on the etf if it's an extremely broad-based one you're basically you're not so exposed to this but some etfs are actually um surprisingly narrowly focused um and uh, i think you just need to have a good understanding of what sort of etf you're buying into yeah, I, look, I think that's absolutely right. There, there is a narrow focus, but what that also does allow is you to, if you if you want to get into a particular sector or a particular group of companies, or or you're an ethical investor, you want, you know, we we at Devon run a sustainability um, fund. So if you want to go into something like that, you, you can tailor it. You know, if you decide you're bullish on gold, but you want to have a array of gold companies, you can go into a gold ETF. You can go into a silver ETF. You can go into a healthcare ETF. So I think that's one thing that's great. You 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 effectively buying one security, but you know underlying that you've got 15, 20, 30 plus investments. So you're achieving diversification, but you're not in a way because obviously you're in, you're in one segment of the market. So I think it's great you know, for tailoring um, you know, cho investors' choices. Yeah. Uh, yes to all that. Uh, but again, I just come back to in a given sector, there's good ETFs and bad ETFs and you, you've still got decisions mm. to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Excellent. So just conscious of time, um, we're going to have to wrap up now, but I think most of the questions were answered in some way um, through our discussion and also, um, you know, and things that got right and other questions that were asked. Um, but for any other, we will look at, look through and um, try to provide answers to these as we go. This isn't the only thing we're doing. This is a big part of the conversation um, moving forward. So first off, I just want to thank um, our special guests, Rod and Greg, for joining us and for sharing your insight and expertise on the current situation. And then a huge thanks for everyone tuning in and being part of the conversation of, of what's going on right now and, and taking an interest in answering these questions. Um, I hope that you take uh, something away from today. Um, and we also do have other content that dives into this um, with more detail too. So um, keep an eye out for our um, recap podcast, which comes out every weekday, um, and as well um, our blog. We are posting things on there. So um, you'll be able to watch the replay of the discussion right here on Crowdcast immediately after we sign off. Um, and there will also be YouTube and podcast versions available later today. Um, but for now, um, enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe, everyone. Thank you. For more info, visit www.sharesies.nz or find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Ta kite ano. Take care and happy investing.